The Big Story from The Straits Times on Money FM 89.3. Hello, I'm Olivia Quay. You're watching The Big Story. Now, March the 1st marks the end of Russia's monthly term as the United Nations Security Council president, which rotates every month among the 15 members. The Security Council's powers include establishing peacekeeping operations, enacting international sanctions and authorizing military action. Now, the UN General Assembly convened on Monday for a rare special emergency session, only the 10th time this has been done since the UN was formed after World War II. All 193 member states are expected to vote on a resolution similar to the one that Russia vetoed in the Security Council last week, which condemned the invasion. Unlike the Security Council, the General Assembly has no real power, as its decisions are not binding on member states. In an ST roundtable today, veteran Singapore diplomat Kishore Mabubani talks about the UN's role and relevance. Professor Mabubani was Singapore's ambassador to the UN for 10 years. I know that multilateral institutions like the United Nations constrain great powers. And what is significant is that all great powers, it doesn't matter whether United States, Soviet Union, Russia, China, believe that a weaker United Nations is better than a stronger United Nations. And if you want proof of this, when it comes to selecting the Secretary General of the United Nations, if you have the potential of being a strong, dynamic chief executive officer who can lead the organization to greater heights, you're disqualified. But if you are weak, and if you understand what the great powers want, and you meet their needs, then you become UN Secretary General. Now, this is an open secret within the UN community. So when you say that the UN has been failing, it's been failing by design, and it's been failing because there has been a long-term process to undermine it. By the same time, just to balance that, I'm very glad that this Russian invasion of Ukraine has made everyone now more aware of the UN Charter, of the principles of the UN Charter, which clearly forbid such invasions. And the fact that this principle is being reaffirmed as a result of Ukraine is a very positive development for the world. Professor Mabubani also explains why there's been no clear and loud opinion from ASEAN on the crisis in Ukraine. Some ASEAN countries, not Singapore, obviously. I think Ravi was uh, absolutely right when he said that Singapore's statement is crystal clear and very strong. But that is, of course, typical uh, of ASEAN because when you have 10 very diverse member states in ASEAN, it's perfectly normal uh, for ASEAN to come up with wishy-washy uh, statements. And uh, as you know, uh, ASEAN is a very weak organization. But the one thing that I have documented in my book, The ASEAN Miracle, that the paradox of ASEAN is that its strength lies in its weakness. And because it's so weak, everybody underestimates it and doesn't as, uh, appreciate the his strong historic contributions uh, that ASEAN has made. So, for example, the biggest event of 2022 before this Russian invasion of Ukraine uh, was the launch of the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, the world's largest free trade agreement. And the United States cannot put together a press conference of United States, Japan and South Korea ASEAN managed to persuade Japan and South Korea and China to sign a free trade agreement. 
Now, that's a really big deal that is changing the course of world history. And only ASEAN could do it because it's so weak, everybody trusts it. So the weakness of ASEAN, therefore, which is a liability in some areas, is also an asset in, in, in some areas. But in any case, what, even if ASEAN issued a strong statement, it will make no difference whatsoever. 